This is the District Sentinel Radio Newscast. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of Terry's Use Knife and Sword Emporium studio here in Washington, D.C. in Pistown. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. As we are on the war footing, a friendly reminder to obey Twitter's terms of service. Sounds like someone's account was locked. <laughs> yeah, I got a few more hours to sit things out. I verbally abused Ben Shapiro and told him to enlist. Using so we, using that's, more that's, language than that. I that oh, was that's okay. a that's a PG version of what I said. But so I feel like something like that could have been said a few years ago and nothing would have happened. Yep. The mods. The mods are out of control. <laughs> On the website. And does Richard Spencer still have an account? I think so. Does he? Yeah, probably. I am 100% sure of that. Hey, Ben Shapiro has uh, inspired mass shooters. <laughs> yes, his tweets have been cited On in Canadian fucking court documents about the mosque shooting in Quebec City as just things that inspired the shooter that he uh, found useful. Ben Shapiro's rants about Muslims still has an account. But it's the good boy, SK1, whose account is locked right now. Unfair. We've got some political news here. Uh, we reported last week. Political news? I am a political prisoner. <laughs> We're already doing political. Do- Sorry, anyway, go on. Julian Castro had dropped out of the race last week. He's now endorsing Elizabeth Warren. Uh, Doesn't matter. Castro no. clearly didn't have enough support to stay in the race till Iowa. I don't think his endorsement means much. I don't think so either. And I was reminded of the time that Ted Cruz to try to uh jolt his well it wasn't as disastrous as a campaign as 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 some of these people were mentioning here but to try to gain the upper hand on trump ted cruz touted the carly fiorina endorsement yeah that really moved the needle <laughs> it, it 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 is it I wasn't just it's the a, carly fiorina endorsement it was the carly fiorina will be my vice presidential that's right. running mate that's right yeah, that's right. It was it was it was more it was more of a hail mary. And then Carly, of course, sang to Ted Cruz's children in a moment I unfortunately will never forget. Didn't matter. This reeks of desperation for me from 20, the Warren campaign. Twenty sixteen whipped. Like in retrospect, twenty sixteen was great, <laughs> especially the first half of twenty sixteen. The first few months were were good. Parts right. of it, parts of it. Yeah. There was uh, Trump was not so good. No, but none of us. Well, not none of us, but no one really thought it was going to go anywhere. It was just like Trump. <laughs> Trump was trying to get the next season of The Apprentice yeah. on NBC and Trump TV on YouTube. Like Bernie was in the race, and we thought there was a chance. Some of us thought there was a chance. I guess Trump TV on YouTube came much later. That and, was yeah. That, that, Trump yeah. was like owning Jeb Bush and owning Rubio and Ted Cruz, but yeah, things are really dark now. Yeah, those those were those were funny times. The towers went down on his watch. <laughs> All 
All right, it's Monday, January 6, 2019. Here's the news. First up, here's what happened since the U.S. assassinated Iranian General Qasem Soleimani last week. Over the weekend, the Iraqi parliament passed a resolution calling on the government to remove U.S. troop presence from Iraq. The vote took place over the objections of the U.S. government. Now, this is a non-binding resolution. Um, The Iraqi prime minister met with the U.S. ambassador and delivered that message, though, today. Trump is not pleased by any of this and claimed that if the Iraqi government forced the withdrawal of American troops, Trump described it as in an unfriendly manner, then he'll sanction the fuck out of them, claiming aboard Air Force One on Sunday that new sanctions on Iraq would make sanctions on Iran look, quote, tame. The Pentagon, what a perfect way to bookend an extremely long war that the U.S. has been involved in since 2003. We finally get troops forced out of there at the behest of the country, and then we end up sanctioning that country. <laughs> We're right back into pre-war footing once again. <sighs> well, I, I think that uh, the Iraqis could ease, speaking of making things look tame, I think the Iraqis could make the uh, height of the insurgency from last decade look tame by yes. comparison if the U.S. doesn't get the fuck out. Yeah. And the U.S. likely we, won't just get the fuck out. The Pentagon won't exactly be thrilled with the prospect of losing access to the billions of dollars in bases and military infrastructure that it's established in the country since the illegal war began in 2003. Either way, I think they uh, they don't have a say in the matter. That thing is getting shut the fuck down real soon. Meanwhile, Iranian foreign minister and friend of the show, Javad Zarif, <laughs> announced that Iran would no longer abide by certain restrictions on its nuclear program, including enrichment levels. Those restrictions were part of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or the Iran Nuclear Agreement, which was already dead because the U.S. formally withdrew from it in 2018. On Sunday, at least hundreds of thousands, more likely millions of people, were in the streets of Tehran for the funeral of Qasem Soleimani, many desperate to see his death avenged. If you're interested in learning more about what Soleimani meant to the country, check out our interview we did with Sina Rahmani on Patreon, which we just unlocked today, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Anyway, President Trump, clearly not worried at all, spent the weekend tweeting threats of war crimes, claimed on Twitter that the Pentagon had 52 targets ready to go in Iran, 52 corresponding with the number of American hostages that were held. Uh, in the Iranian hostage crisis. He said there were 52 targets ready to go in Iran, including cultural sites that would be bombed if Iran should retaliate. That's a war crime. Trump was asked about it later, offline, and he said it again, quote, they're allowed to use roadside bombs and blow up our people and we're not allowed to touch their cultural sites? It doesn't work that way. Actually, uh, it does. Javad Zarif on Twitter reminded Trump that it is indeed a war crime. He ripped into the administration saying, quote, a reminder to those hallucinating about emulating ISIS war crimes by targeting our cultural heritage. Through millennia of history, barbarians have come and ravaged our cities, raised our monuments and burnt our libraries. Where are they now? We're still here and standing tall. 
end quote. We're done. The, the U.S. empire is done. It's hard to not come to any other conclusion after reading that shit. I don't know. Zarif also tweeted, quote, whether kicking or screaming, end of U.S. malign presence in West Asia has begun. Congress is now getting involved as though matters of war are their responsibility or something. That's funny. Tim Kaine in the membrane in the Senate put forward a war powers resolution that would restrict the administration's military actions against Iran to 30 days unless Congress grants explicit approval for it. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi promised the House would take up a similar measure soon. That would be about a month after Pelosi led those same Democrats to support giving Trump the biggest military budget ever. Some other interesting tidbits on Twitter last night from Reza Marashi, research director at the National Iranian American Council. Marashi posted quite the thread of quotes from anonymous career officials. Here are the choicest ones. Quote, we have no plan for what comes next. They're woefully unprepared for what's about to pop off and they're too stupid to realize it. People here are freaking out and rightfully so. Well, I guess maybe... uh, they should have noted some people are freaking out, but it was probably a different official who said this, quote, so many of Trump's top advisors on Iran are military vets who serve multiple tours of duty in our wars in Iraq, Afghanistan and elsewhere. They believe to their core that Iran is the reason why they lost those wars and they're dead set on payback no matter what it takes. Yeah, I think there's two things that can be true at once. You can the idea that the U.S. is stumbling into war is obviously false. There have been forces within the foreign policy power centers in D.C. in this country that have been pushing for war with Iran for decades. This is deliberate, this action here. Um, At the same time, because even though it is a deliberate action, can mean that you have people who have no idea what the consequences are going to be or how they're going to prepare for it. Yeah, and that leads to very, very dark things like this, quote, They know the Iraqis are going to kick them out now, so they're going to try to kill as many as possible on their way out. Iranians, Iraqis, whoever, some of them are advising Trump to tell the Iraqi government to fuck off and dare them to make us leave. I shit you not, insanity. Jeez. This this is, you know... I know. That, that I know. It's the prevailing wisdom when you don't know what to do. Right. We're just going to kill as many as we can. Oh, let's th- do the surge. That's what they did in Vietnam. That was the whole peace with honor thing, and uh, the, uh, that I think that was a permutation of uh, the Nixon's administration was peace with honor, and that was a permutation of the strategy implemented under Johnson, which was, well, if we get the body count as high as possible, that's a win for us, right? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Let's end on a high note. Quote, one of Trump's top Iran advisors got suckered into a honey trap, had their laptop slash iPhone stolen and hacked before they woke up, and the White House refused to take precautionary measures regarding their security clearance. Uh, do, you, do, you have any, uh, do you have any ideas, any uh, guesses as to how this actually looked in practice? Because I certainly do. I, I imagine just some unfuckable Stephen Miller friend at a bar in National Harbor, and he's like sitting there drinking by himself. He's approached by this smoking hot Persian woman who, uh, you know, like totally seduces him. He's like, you want to come back to my place and check out my Groiper memes? Mm, go on. And, uh, and then he passes out 
drunk before anything can happen and while he's asleep she just hacks his shit and just bounces well i hope she found some good stuff there that will aid the iranians in any future struggle <laughs> anyway I, I didn't mean to get too fanficy there but it, i i guess i just did but for the full thread check out reza's twitter at reza marashi all one word twitter.com obey the rules Some updates on the impeachment trial. Speaker Pelosi is still delaying the start of the trial, having not yet transmitted the impeachment articles to the Senate. Legitimately, we should add, out of concerns about Mitch McConnell's penchant for rat fucking. Meanwhile, Republican Senator Josh Hawley is floating a proposal that could kill the process entirely. The upper chamber is set to reconvene this evening. Hawley is writing a motion to change Senate rules to force Speaker Pelosi to transmit the articles to the Senate or have them dismissed. This morning on Twitter, when he wasn't committing war crimes, President Trump urged impeachment to come to an end quickly. He said, quote, it is a con game by the Dems to help with the election, unlike his attempts to start a war, I guess. Just a dog shit human. (laughs) Sorry, not trying to sound like the Mango Mussolini guy, but uh, the president is fraying on my nerves this week. In not unrelated news, John Bolton said today that he is willing to testify in a Senate trial if he is subpoenaed, but before liberals get too excited, they should consider Bolton might now be looking to protect a president who is about to fulfill Bolton's lifelong dream of killing hundreds of thousands of Iranians. Yeah, that sounds like a fucking trap to me right there. Bolton, who's been resistant to uh, testifying, suddenly, 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 Trump does what he's been, what Bolton has been dreaming of doing for decades, and now Bolton's like, yeah, yeah, I'm ready to testify. You know, if Bolton has anything to say, he doesn't have to like wait for a Senate audience. He can just say it. He can release a press statement talking about what he would testify to if he really wants to say anything. Don't fall for it. Well, I will say that if Bolton does testify, uh, at least the Iranians will know where he will be when he exits the Capitol. (laughs) All right. Just saying. That music means it's time Iran, if you're listening. (laughs) Move on to the poetry portion of our show where we read haiku for all our new subscribers on Patreon. Patreon.com slash District Sentinel, five bucks a month. You get access to all the bonus content we put out. You get access to the subscriber only garbage can show on Fridays, and you get your own haiku written for you and read on the air. This is for Matthew. Huge funeral crowd. Sounds like you fucked up big time. U.S. bad country. Thank you, Matthew. This goes out to David. It's NBC News Chief Foreign Correspondent Pig Poop Balio. <laughs> Thank you, David. This is for Jessica. Time to pack it up. U.S. out of Iraq now. Fold or burn the flag. Thank you, Jessica. This one is for Brendan. Number seven on Iran's retaliation list, Pete Buttigieg. <laughs> hey, not sure how he ended up there, but... <laughs> That's it. Thank you, Brendan. That's enough syllables out of you. (laughs) Finally, this is for Jeff. (laughs) Dear Ayatollah, our Qasem Soleimani name, Jared Kushner. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. And thanks to all the new subscribers. 
patreon.com slash district sentinel pretty sure that none of these are going to make it in the next haiku book <laughs> installation <laughs> Okay, before we go, the listener rant line is blinking. Let's hear what some of y'all have to say. Hey, guys. So I've been hearing a lot of people say, including on this show, that the decade doesn't start until 2021. That (laughs) just isn't correct. Even if you're being pedantic, it's still not correct. I think I understand why people are saying this. It's because they're still traumatized from the year 2000 when people said, welcome to the new millennium, and then someone said, well, actually, there was no year zero, and so the new millennium is in 2001. Well, it doesn't really apply in this case, because there is a 2020. As far as I know, this year does exist. So it's not a situation where there's no year zero, so you have to start at one. We can actually start in 2020, and I think a lot of people might be forgetting that the 1920s, started in the year 1920. So the situation is actually very similar here. (laughs) So we are now in the 2020s, and anyone who says otherwise is not being pedantic, they're being incorrect. Well, that was my actual pedantic rant, and um, (laughs) yes, have a good 2020s. Well, yeah, and also have a good one. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Did you say it on the show? Because when I said it on the show, I was making fun of people who were saying that. Uh, Are I, you one of those people? No, no. Oh. I, I think I was making fun of that on Twitter. Uh, those people might be right, but shut the fuck up. And also they're not right because as the caller pointed out, it, like we refer to decades as, you know, the 20s, the uh, 30s, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for the call. One more to get to here. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. It's Slater. I'm calling in for the first time in about a month because Pundemonium has wrapped up and the awful pundit tournament of 2020 is about to kick off in a couple of days. Um, I'm calling on the second. We are starting the awful pundit tournament of 2020 on January 4th, Saturday. Um, I don't have an exact time, but the first wave of voting will last for three days. So you'll have until sometime on the 7th to get the first vote in. And the spoiler is that we're going to have eight different groups of voting for the first round. Um, and in that first group of voting for that first round, we will be featuring none other than Mr. Race Science himself, Brett Stevens. Mm. So you are going to want to get in there and make sure that he makes it to the round of 32. You're going to want to see every matchup, all eight groups in the first round, and we're going to have some fun this time. We're going to see if maybe the defending champion, Ben Shapiro, finally gets unseated. Um, Poonda tournament. Let's go. Peace out. Wow. Uh, thanks for the call, Slater. And the thing that makes the awful pundit tournament, what makes it so great is the drama of it. You have titans. You have dynasties like Ben Shapiro poised to three-peat here, who's, who's won it every year. But then you have these other other teams out there, other individuals, other pundits out there who are really making a run for it, who are peaking at the right time heading into the APT, like Brett Stevens. I mean, think of what Brett Stevens has done to his stock in the APT since last year's APT. Yeah, yeah. 
it's been a crazy year for Brett. He yeah. it's it's really it's been a career year for Brett, and yeah. he is in fine form. Fine form, <laughs> hitting his stride right at the right time I mean, for the APT, and he's been so consistent too. He's just been such a consistent performer. I think the bookmakers uh, have him rising in the odds list toward the uh, the the top of the list. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Slater. To quote former President Barack Obama, don't boo, vote in the APT <laughs> Awful Pundit Tournament of 2020. That will do it for the show today. Thank you for listening. We will be back tomorrow with a brand new newscast. This is, you know, the worst week of the year here. After all these breaks, the first full week of the of the year here. We're, we're plowing through it along with you. New newscast tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.